appreciate it. Wow. Oh, thanks. That was wonderful. I feel the same way about you all. So hey, give it up for us, huh? Yeah. Um, man, I'm so glad you guys are here. It's Sunday before Easter. Here we are. Now, th- during this time, there's a lot of celebrating and a lot of happiness, a lot of joy, and we're getting pumped. And some of you, you're shopping for your Sunday best, but not just Sunday best. Easter Sunday best. And I get it because we can be so focused on, on, on all these things that uh, quite frankly, we focus on the outside and, and we won't address something that I think many of us have wrestled with at one point in our lives. Um, I'm talking primarily to Christians and I know young Christians or people new in the faith have struggled with this. And maybe if you've been walking with Jesus for a really long time, this has kind of been an issue for you that you've had to work through and you've had to go and talk with other people about and pray through. And it's a problem that I think every single one of us has and and it could be easily avoided because really the solution here is a little bit of perspective, but I I wanna put the problem on the screen. Here, Here it is for us. It's this, believing in Jesus doesn't make everything better yet. Believing in Jesus doesn't make everything better yet. And yet is a key word. And I don't know about you, but somewhere along the line in life, in walking with Jesus Christ, we experience this, call it a roadblock, call it a hurdle, a difficulty, um, a a testing period, whatever you want to call it. There's this issue that happens. And as a young Christian, new in the faith, you think to yourself, I love Jesus. Jesus loves me. Why is this happening to me? And it can feel like you're pushing your walk with Jesus Christ. You're pushing this massive boulder uphill the whole way. And like I said, I think every Christ follower will encounter this. At some point, believing in Jesus doesn't make everything better yet. And the problem with this is, is that we want it better now. But life can be challenging. Listen, I think life is difficult enough. I can't imagine living it without Jesus. Do you know what I mean? I I need all the help I can get. So some of you are like, yes, we know, we get it. I I can remember back in college, I, my, my degree in college, I, I wanted to be a music major. I, I love music. I, I've played in tons of different bands growing up. All, all of them, great fun. Just, we sounded horrible. <laughs> but it was a lot of fun. Uh, and I, I played at uh, worship camps and church camps and the worship team. And I just, I love drumming. And so when I graduated high school, went into college, I said, I want to be a music major. And then I got into the program and realized you have to sing and you have to learn the piano. And thank God Becky's here. You don't want me singing and playing piano. Okay. It's bad. It's really bad. And during that time, I decided, why don't I, you know, I'm serving at my church. I'm volunteering. And I, I thought, why don't I take Youth Ministry 101? I need credits, why not? So I get in there and I'm telling you, I drank the Kool-Aid. I fell in love with ministry to the point that I decided I'm going to change my degree. I'm gonna change my major for music and put it in youth ministry. And I had prayed about this. I had talked to other people about this and they're like, look, you're gonna be broke in both careers. So whatever, just go for it. So I went, thanks, that was encouraging. So I get in there and I start taking the classes and then, and then I, I, I meet with my professor and I thought, okay, everyone meets with the professor. They've got office hours, not that big of a deal. And he slides a sheet of paper across the table and I went, this is not a good start. He slides it across and it's, uh, it, it's a couple of my grades and they weren't stellar. And then here's another paper and he says, this is the grade that you have in this class. And Steve, I don't think you have, based off of your performance in this program so far, I don't think you have what it takes to get this degree, let alone serve and be a minister in the church. And I'm telling you, I was crushed. And if you look at on paper, 
<laughs> I had no business being in that program. I struggled my first year through it. I struggled really, really hard. And, and, and I share this to simply say, I had decided, I had said, Lord, I'm going to serve you with my life in the church. Like, I, I think I'm gonna be a, a pastor. This is what I wanna do. I've kind of surrendered my hopes and dreams to being a rock star and going on tour. And, and I wanna go and serve you, Lord. I love you, you love me. Why is this happening to me? Why do I feel like the professor has asked me to voluntarily resign from the program? This is not good. This is not good news at all. And so we're pushing this boulder uphill. And listen, this isn't, maybe you can identify with my story, but you have your own story. I think we've all experienced this on some level. Some of us, listen, some of us has gone into the doctor's office for a routine checkup, come to find out nothing about that checkup was routine. You got bad news, devastating news. I'm talking family gathering, circle the wagons, pray together news. And it's tragic. Some of you, you've been moms and dads and you've raised your children, you've raised your sons and your daughters to, to walk in the faith and be a part of the church and give their lives to Jesus Christ only to find out that they have gone the other way. They want nothing to do with it. We all have these experiences in our life where we have been living our lives and we've been devoted to Jesus Christ and all these bad things happen because believing in Jesus doesn't make everything better yet. Now, don't get me wrong. It makes a lot of things better but we're living here on earth. And I think what we all desire is heaven. And we can feel the disconnect between the two realities. And so like I said, the solution here is a perspective shift because behind this problem here is this idea that God should operate the way that I think he should. You ever been in that circle? That kind of thought of like, here, clearly God is gonna do this only to find out bloop, the exact opposite. I think it's great that he doesn't operate the way I want him to, right? Uh, so that, that's kind of the first thing. And the second thing is this, is that God never promised a, a pain-free, trouble-free life. Again, what we're longing for is, is paradise. We want heaven. We want eternity with Jesus, but we're stuck here on earth for now. And we feel that. And so whenever we get in this mindset, we, it, it's a principle, but we have to shift our thinking to this. Here, here's, here's how we're thinking. Here's what we, we just play through in our brains. We're judging God's goodness based on our experience on earth, not on eternity. And here's what I mean by that. We have all of our earthly woes and we have them, don't we? Just me. No, no one loves to raise their hand. I'm like, God loves you. And you're like, amen, earthly woes. Yeah. Yeah. But we do. We all have them. And we're so fixated here. We know, we know, those of us have our faith in Jesus Christ, we know that we are eternal beings, but we're so familiar here with the life on earth. And we're camped out here and our vision can be so narrow that we just focus on this life right here and we go, what is wrong? It seems like everything is falling apart. It does feel from time to time like evil is alive and well, that bad news is more prevalent than good news. And we're all struggling with this. And if, if we keep on this narrow mind, this narrow focus of just focusing on earth and evaluating God's goodness based solely on that, we're gonna start to get frustrated with God. Some of us are gonna get disappointed in God. Some of us are gonna doubt his goodness. And the problem is this. Listen, we need to remember, we're gonna celebrate it in a week, but we need to remember that Jesus died on the cross, conquered death, forgave our sins, loves us unconditionally. It, what more could we ask for? Are you with me? Now, this is a big deal. I'm not gonna talk about it because we're gonna talk about, about it next week. But, but it gets even better than this because we, we have that, we have salvation and we get eternity with Jesus. So we have to on this huge scope of say, okay, eternity is a very long time, a very long time. What we have here is a short amount of time. 
and then boom. So we have to evaluate God's goodness with eternity in mind and not just here on earth. So here's what I wanna do with the rest of our time this morning. Um, I wanna look at the book of Revelation and we're gonna go through the three primary views of how this whole thing is gonna wrap up. And then I wanna read a short paragraph in Revelation. And this is all about paradise. This is eternity with Jesus. This is heaven. This is a beautiful thing. Now, quick disclaimer as we enter the book of Revelation. Because um, people tend to get a little fun uh, around Revelation. And I say the word fun because it's, it, they don't get fun. Uh, here's, what, here's the temptation. We're going to talk about Revelation in the end times. And some of you, you're going to want me to say more. And some of you are going to want me to say a lot less. And some of you are going to get frustrated that um, I didn't pick one. I just reviewed three of the things. Some of you, you want Kurt to come up next week and say what Steve didn't do. And then show us what the right one is. And I'm telling you, it's not going to happen. I'm not gonna do it. And some of you, you're frustrated already and I want you to know, don't email me. We have pre-filled out complaint cards. <laughs> after, after the service, you can make your way out. You can just grab one. We've got a round bin out there. It looks like a trash can. You can just set it right in there. It'll be totally fine, okay? Don't email me. Last service laughed at both those comments. You guys gave me like the, ooh. <laughs> so let me walk us through, all right? No friendly fire, we're all good. Christianity, the breadth of Christianity, the history of Christianity has come down to the return of Christ for these three primary views. There are some other weird ones like Kurt was talking about. These are the big three. So here we go, premillennialism believes Jesus' death and resurrection, Pentecost, and we got the church age. We've got tribulation, which means trouble. In this belief of premillennialism, there are three different options for Jesus to come back. Three different beliefs. Some people think it's gonna be pre-trib, post-trib, and mid-trib. And then from there, somewhere in there, right, Christ is gonna return. We're all judged, believers and unbelievers, and we have heaven and we have hell. Eternity with God, eternity separated from God. That's the first one. Clear as mud? Perfect. Here's the second one, post-millennialism. We have Christ's death and resurrection. We've got Pentecost, right? The birth of the church. Tribulation, Jerusalem is destroyed. You've got the church age where society is progressively improving because the kingdom of God is here on earth and it is growing and moving. That's the thought. Christ is gonna return and all are gonna be judged. You've got believers in heaven and unbelievers in hell, eternally separated from God or eternity with God. Clear as mud? Round three, here we go. It's a spelling error, so no disrespect, but it says am millennialism. We should take out one M, sorry. Uh, no disrespect if that's your camp. Christ's death and resurrection. Birth of the church, we got tribulation, Jerusalem's destroyed, keep on keeping on. Society progressively decays, Jesus returns, believers are judged, unbelievers are judged. Heaven, hell, eternity with God, eternity separated from God. So you got three options. Which one is the right one? I, <laughs> I don't know. And I, let me say this before we go to the next slide. See, the room got so quiet. It's fine. Relax. Take a deep breath. At North County, you can believe one, two, or three. And I'm so excited that you're here. And I want to stand next to you, and I want to worship Jesus with you. I want to take communion, celebrate Easter and Good Friday. We're going to unite around the fact that Jesus is returning. We're not going to get lost in what my good friend calls the gobbledygook here in the middle. Because what do all three of these things have in common? Here, check this out. Very simple. Christ's death and resurrection, Pentecost, church age, Jesus returns, the judgment of believers, unbelievers, heaven, hell, eternity with God, eternity separated from God. 
Christians believe on this. And so what we're gonna do is we're gonna focus on this and do not get lost in the gobbledygook in the deep dive on all of this. I wanna read us a passage of what happens at the end of this. And it's in, you've got it, it's in your Bibles, Revelation chapter 21. Revelation chapter 21, it'll be the first four verses. And this is John, he, he's receiving a vision and he's writing this. And he says this as he's receiving this vision. He says, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and there was no longer any sea. Then I saw a holy city, a new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. Notice it said new Jerusalem and not new temple. God is not bound by the temple. He is ruling. It's almost like this new picture of a new Eden, if you will. Verse three, and I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people and he will dwell with them and they will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their what? Be their God. Verse four, he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. Amen? Amen. That's a view of eternity. That's, that's paradise. That is life with Jesus forever. Did you catch it? Wipe away every tear, no more death, no mourning, crying, pain. It's beautiful. And we, we've done this whole epic story from cover to cover in the scriptures and this is how it ends. This is how the whole thing is wrapped up. But here's the problem. We're not in the very end. Jesus hasn't wrapped it up yet. He hasn't returned yet. Right? right. <laughs> just making sure. I just want to be sure. Um, so here's, here's the big question we all have to wrestle with is what do we do now? What do we do while we wait for Jesus to come back? Because I firmly believe he's coming back. Absolutely. 100% he's coming back. How? I have no idea. I am what uh, I like to call the part of the welcoming party. Like I got the balloons. I'm not the party planning committee. Are you with me? So, you know, when he comes, I got the balloons and the like kazoos and pinatas and we're going to have a blast. It's going to be incredible. I can't wait. I, don't ask me what date. Don't ask me what time. I have no idea. No stinking idea. I'm just really excited he's here. Now, here's the thing. We all have a, a set amount of time here on earth. We have a life that we are living. And uh, to illustrate this, I, I asked a couple people, we asked some people to help with a visual aid. So if you got handpicked for that, help for that visual aid, would you just run on up and start setting that up for me? We're gonna illustrate this uh, really well. I'm gonna read a verse. And then by the time the verse is done, they're gonna have everything set up. And I know when I'm asking you to focus on me in the verse I'm about to read, it's kind of like when a teacher passes out like a work packet or something like that in a meeting or you're sitting there, you're like, okay, eyes on me. And you're like, yeah, right. I'm going through the packet, right? You shouldn't have packed it. You shouldn't have handed that out if you wanted your focus on me. So here we go. James chapter four, verse four says this. This is James, the half brother of Jesus. He says, now listen, you who say today or tomorrow, we will go to this city or that city, spend a year there, carry on business and make money. Why, you do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? And this part gives me so much anxiety. You are a mist that appears for a little while and then what? Vanishes, it disappears. Anybody, anyone use hairspray this morning? Four, four people, it's a multi-million dollar industry, four people? <laughs> they don't use hairspray, what? How many of you use hairspray this morning? A lot of you. 
Uh, spray on deodorant? Okay, gross. Okay, hold on. If it's not spray on deodorant, I hope it's, it's the stick. It's the solid. But please tell me you're doing this. Okay. Uh, perfume, cologne, anything with a little, like a little spritz, just there it is. Okay, good, good, good. Most of you, if not, let's, you know, next week we'll brush our teeth, floss, deodorant, like we'll, we'll walk through it. But, but honestly, you get that can of hairspray, right? And you just, and that's it. A squirt of perfume, that's it. That's your life. That's my life. It's a vapor, poof, it's gone. When we look at eternity and we're judging God on his goodness, his unconditional love, and just his majesty, we have to take eternity into account. And that means my life, your life, friends, I love you, but that's our life. That's it. It's gone. Now, I talked about that verse giving me anxiety. What gives me more anxiety is this visual aid. Hear me out. Each box right here, each box represents two years of your life. Here's 10 years. Here's another 10. Another 10. Here's another 10. After 40, you're in what? Halftime. You got first quarter living, second quarter living, halftime, third quarter living, fourth quarter living. I only put up 80 boxes, or represents 80 boxes right there. Obviously, you know, people live longer than 80, but it, it's just a visual aid, so work with me for a second. Most of us in this room, the vast majority of us in this room, that's gone. We've, we spent that. Here we are, 30, 40, halftime, 50, 60, 70, 80. That's our life. Some of us, here we go, that's gone. And I got a couple more years, but I'm looking at this box and I'm looking at that side and this side and that side, and I'm going, here we go, Lord. <laughs> tick tock, tick tock, tick tock, tick tock. Like it just goes, time just keeps going. Let's all just think about time just passing real quick. Just think about it. You just lost three seconds of your life. Never getting it back. Oh. <laughs> Poof, gone. Thanks for coming to church. Five more seconds, just gone. Do, do you feel the anxiety that I have when I look at this thing and I go, oh my goodness, like time, it's going fast. It's going real fast. And listen, none of this time is even guaranteed. We have no idea what's gonna happen tomorrow. Jesus could come back tomorrow. Someone could die tomorrow. Someone could get hit by a bus, I, I, a sickness. I, I have no idea. So many things could happen. None of this is guaranteed. All of this is a gift, which begs the question that you and I have to wrestle with is what do we do with the time that God has given us? Because we don't have a lot of it. We don't have a lot of it. So we have to be about the business. And so I simply want to read um, three verses and give us three points of things that I think that we can practically put into practice today, 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 today. And I, regardless of what category of what box you are in. Time is ticking. So here we go. First John chapter four, verse seven says, dear friends, let us love one another for love comes from God. And everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Number one in your notes, continue to love everyone all the time. If Jesus were to come back right now, just making sure, if you were to come back right now, what would I want him to find me doing? I think, since he said the greatest thing you can do is love God and love people, I wanna spend my life loving people, which means I have to spend significantly less time of my life being frustrated and mad at people. Are you with me? How quickly does Jesus' unconditional love and forgiveness take impact in my life and your life? How quickly? Immediately, right? 
I, I think we ought to do the same as we treat other people. Why? Because I don't have a whole lot of time to carry grudges and to be frustrated with people and be disappointed in them and want to write them emails and then delete the email because that was unchristlike, then reformat the email and then go, ah, I don't want to send that either. That's a little rude. No, 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 no. We, we need to reconcile relationships. We need to forgive one another. We need to circle back and say, hey, you said this, but I heard it this way. I want to give you the benefit of the doubt. Like what, how do I help me walk through this thing? Can we patch this up? Listen, you might not be best friends with them and that's totally okay, but we are going to love one another because we are the body of Christ. It is the greatest thing that we do, is it not? This is so important. And also speaking of time, one of the most loving things we can do with our time is simply be with somebody it's the most valuable asset we have and it's ticking away. So when I show up, when you show up and we are with somebody, it's beautiful. It's, it's absolutely beautiful. It, it's love. We're being there for one another. I don't have all the time in the world. I, there are things that I want to do. There are things that God wants me to do, but I'm with you. I'm in person. We're having a meeting or we're just together playing and enjoying each other's company. That is love. One of the questions I like to ask myself from time to time is, okay, if Jesus were me, if he lived my life, how, how would he love the people that I come in contact with? Do you know what I mean? Like if, if Jesus was married to your spouse, how would he love your spouse? If you're single right now, if Jesus was your life and you know, you're trying to figure out how do, how do I love people in the circumstances that I'm in? Do I go to college and try to love people there? Do I not? Go, do I go to work? What, what do I do in the life and the season of life that I find myself in? How would Jesus do it? if he were in my situation? How would Jesus raise my kids? I, I don't know, and, and that gets so nuanced. It's so unique because every person is so unique, but it helps me be very specific in how I try to love people. And by the way, I will screw this up. I will screw this up. I, I, I have a lot to learn, and I think you do too. And the point is that we are trying and we are learning together so that when I screw up, you forgive me. When you screw up, I forgive you. This is how this whole thing works because we're trying to be like Jesus and his love never stops. His forgiveness never stops. And we are his people. This is what we do. We do this best. Number two, number two, share the good news of a life with Jesus. God is not some distant cosmic being with a, a long beard and he's super grumpy. No, no, no. He is close. He's intimate with his people. He wants to know his people and have a relationship with everybody. Listen, I think the greatest news in the world is that you and I can have a relationship with the creator almighty. Holy smokes. That's incredible. That story should never get old to us because God is here. He's here now. The Holy Spirit is amongst in us. This is a powerful, powerful reality. And I think there's a hurting world Life is hard enough without Jesus, or with Jesus. I couldn't imagine it without Jesus. Do you know what I mean? This, honestly. And I think people need to know they're not alone. There's a God who loves them so much that wants to be with them. And he will provide them a way out or a way through their difficulty. They only need to press in, to lean in, to get to know him, to put their trust in him. I was talking with a friend, um, I was talking with a friend this week, and uh, he reminded me of a stat. And there was a church in Linden that did this study a couple years ago. And they found out that only 33% of Linden attends church on a regular basis and believes that Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior of their life and their ticket to heaven. This is here in Linden. And I didn't know this. What was fascinating, he added on to it. And he said, what's interesting is that the state average is 34%. I thought, huh. 
And then we went, at one point in time, Linden had the Guinness Book of World Records for the most churches per capita, like every street corner. And I went, oh no, <laughs> this is not good, right? Like this is not good. Here's what this means. It means there's roughly 15,000 people. This is pre-COVID, 15,000 people in Linden. So we're gonna round and make math really, really easy. A third of that is 5,000 people. Out of 15,000 people, 5,000 people go to church and they, they love Jesus and believe he's their ticket to eternity in, into heaven. The, there's 10,000 people that don't know. We got work to do. And some of those people, listen, some of those people are our, our children. We have to fight for a younger generation. We can't believe that, well, it's Linden, so they're just gonna come to church and love Jesus. What? No, it doesn't work that way. Not one bit. We have work to do. And listen, I'm not just after Linden. I want all of Whatcom County. We, we pull, this church pulls from all over the place, okay? I don't know how God's gonna do it. I don't know how we're gonna do it, but I'm telling you, I, I, don't, I don't just want Linden. I want all of it. I want all of Whatcom County. Why? Because they need to know Jesus. There's a God that loves them. There's a God that wants to spend eternity with them. There's a God that wants to have a friendship with them and they're struggling through life and it is difficult. And I'm telling you, we have the answer and it's Jesus and people need to know. That's our task. That's our job. That's our pleasure and our joy. Thank you. One amen. So good. Let me give you the third one. Let me read Ephesians 5, verse 15. It says this, be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as what? Wise. As it relates to time and the fact that I do not have much and you do not have much and we do not have much. I want to live well. I want to be wise with the time that God has given me. So number three in your notes, being wise means number three, I don't have time for blank. And you get to fill in blank. I don't know what that means for you, but you get to fill in blank. There are things in this life that we do not have time for, and they are sucking us dry. They're robbing us from the ability to love people and to spread the gospel to other people. And can I just be honest with you? Can I be honest with you for a second? I don't have a lot of time. I'm after all of Whatcom County. They need to know Jesus. There's people in your family, my family. There are people that need to know Jesus and have a relationship with him. I don't have time for church games. For people to show up and just think, well, I'm gonna you know, be nice and shake hands on Sunday and then go live like hell the rest of the week. I, I don't have time for it. Or to argue over worship songs. And that was too loud and that was too soft. They play the same songs. Why don't they play these songs or color of carpet or building or any of that stuff? This is just church games. And I think God's sitting there going, I love it all. I love the ugly shag carpet and I love their cool new hip whatever color is out there. And I love the hymns that they only do down the street and I love the new stuff that they do over there. And I love that church because they sing horribly. You can't hit a note to save their souls, but that's okay. I sent my son to do that. Like, I think he loves it all. But what do Christians do? We get together and we just, and we just complain about the crisis of the day. And I'm telling you, there are people that don't know Jesus. There, there are people that don't know Jesus. And we're going to talk, we're talking about heaven and hell. We're talking about eternity with God. And these people don't know. And we're complaining about carpet. And we're going to be armchair experts about things that we have opinions on, but no experience to back those opinions up. No, we have lost our focus. Jesus is coming back. This is crucial. I don't know when. I don't know when, but he's coming back. And people need to know that he loves them and he's coming back for them. And he wants to be with them. I don't have time for armchair expert or just you know these random church political games that, that we can get sucked into. And neither do you. 
We don't have time for it. We don't have time to bear grudges and just sit there and like, mm, I'm just going to be mad. And every time I see them at church, I'm going to dodge them in the hallway. No, we don't have time for that. The enemy would love us to just dive deep dive into that stuff and play all these argument games. No, we have time to love one another. We have time to share the gospel. And I'm telling you, that's about it. We don't have a lot of time. And Jesus is coming back. And I want him to come back to a church, to a community, to a people that are doing their best and loving each other just like he does. That we run into, into conversations with people at coffee shops, at restaurants. We're doing business with people. And we find ways to introduce people to Jesus, to bring him up in conversation, to make it a normal part of our life because it is the greatest news in the whole world. Time is short. I don't, listen, I have no idea where you are. I have no idea what box you're in, if you're in the first half of life or if you're in the second half of life. But I'm telling you, none of this is guaranteed. None of it. So what are we going to do with the gift and the amount of time that God has given us? I want us to be a church that is loving consistently, doing our best. We will not be perfect. We will not be perfect at this, but man, we're going to grow and be about the business of sharing the greatest story the world has ever known Amen. with as many people as we possibly can. Yes. Amen? Yes. Amen? So here's what we're going to do. I'm going to pray for us. I'm going to invite the band to come up and those volunteers to help me get the, the boxes off stage. But listen, we talk about Jesus coming back, wanting to have a relationship, spending eternity together with one another. I know there's some of you online and some of you in the building that, that church is just routine for you. You know about Jesus, but you don't have a relationship with Jesus. And so I want you to pray with me in a moment. And for some of us, listen, we've been playing church games. We've been going to church for a very, very long time. And it's time for us to take the knowledge that we have learned from the great Bible teachers, from great mentors who know this book frontwards and backwards that have given us so much wisdom. It's time for us to take what we have gathered and learned and share it with other people. We can't be possessive of this. So let's come before the Lord. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you first and foremost for the gift and the amount of time that you have given each and every one of us. I pray, Lord, that we would have a sense of urgency. Nothing is guaranteed. Tomorrow is not guaranteed. So Father, if there are relationships, if there, if there are things and sin that has to be dealt with and relationships that need to be restored, I pray that they would, we would take care of that now, right now. And Father, for anyone who, who does not know you, maybe some people here, they know about you, but they do not know you, Father. Lord, I pray that you would make yourself so available to them in their life, that they would feel your presence, that they would feel your Holy Spirit leaning into them. And if that's you in the room, I, I wanna pray just a very simple prayer. They're, they're my words, but you can make them your own. Simply say, Jesus, I don't know everything. I don't know everything about you. But I'm in need of a Lord and a Savior of my life. So today I place my trust in you, that you will be that, the Lord and Savior of my life. And Jesus, when you return, I don't know how, I don't know all the details about it, but I'm so excited to spend eternity with you. And I want to tell other people about your goodness your grace, your mercy, your forgiveness. So Jesus, today, 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 I give you my faith, 
my hope, my trust, everything is in you, Father. And if you prayed that prayer, you have to know the Bible says that there are angels rejoicing in heaven. There is a big party being thrown right now for you. Father, for your church, would this never be a habit? Would this never be a routine? But when we show up on Sundays, would we be so excited to glorify you, to sing your praises because you have radically transformed our life. And I pray, Lord, that this, that this, this would be a, a shot in the arm so that Monday through Saturday, Lord, we're constantly looking for people in need of love, people in need of your gospel, your good news about your son, Jesus. So Father, help us. Help us to see people the way you do. Help us to create opportunities. Help us to notice the opportunities that you have created. And I pray, Lord, days, weeks, months, years down the road, that we would continue to see more and more and more people placing their faith, their hope, their trust in Jesus Christ. Help us, Father. Help us. We pray this in Christ's powerful name. And the church said? Amen. Amen. Would you stand with me? We're going to sing one last song.